Most financial podcasts that talk about stocks probably don't pick them formally. Pick them to beat the market. Pick them for three years. A lot of people will talk about stocks, but do they walk? And can you see them walk? And can you see how they're doing? Let me know if you know otherwise, but I think most financial podcasts do not pick stocks over specific, defined periods, score them, talk about the score, good or bad, and then revisit them a year later, or two, or three. Most do not. But this one does. I've always done it, and that's because the act of picking, of scoring, of holding yourself accountable is really the best way I know to get better at investing. So this week, we have our latest Rule Breaker Investing, Review of Palooza. We'll look back one, two, and three years to see how three different five-stock samplers have performed. Five stocks for the next five years, from 2015. Five great stocks you've never heard of, from 2017. And five Mm, mm, good stocks picked a year ago this week. Campbell's good? Well, we'll find out on this week's Rule Breaker Investing. Thanks to Grammarly for supporting the Rule Breaker Investing podcast. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to grammarly.com fool to get 20% off a premium account today. Grammarly, that's with two A's, of course, right? Grammarly.com slash fool. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. Last week, I hope you enjoyed it. Five stocks with a tailwind blow. Let's hope those tailwinds keep blowing. Of course, we're measuring our performance not over days or weeks or even months, but years. So, let's hope that that five-stock sampler performs well over the next three-plus years. So, that was then, this is now. Last week, we picked them. This week, we get to score them. So, it's a review of Palooza episode for Rule Breaker Investing. We've done a few of these this year. And I'm really pleased to be welcomed again by Emily Flippin, who's going to help me and us talk through and think through the companies in these five-stock samplers. Emily, welcome back. Thank you. I am also very happy to be here again. Excellent. Now, last time, we we talked through I think we talked through three different five stock samplers I earlier this so. year. I think the date was somewhere in February and uh, I think that was actually the first time we called one of these episodes Review of Palooza, which seemed appropriate because we are going over a lot of stocks. And you have put in some elbow grease, some extra labor, Emily. Thank you for responding to my request yesterday. Of course. And then one day later being prepared <laughs> to talk about approximately 15 stocks and what's been happening with them. So, really looking forward to do that together. Well, it's an easy hurdle to get over when you spend all day researching companies in particular in your stock advisor and rule breaker universe. It is true. And Emily and I work together on both Motley Fool Rule Breakers and Motley Fool Stock Advisor. So, you know these stocks better than I do, which is really why I'm having you on the show. I pick them, but we really learn from you, Emily. So, thank you very much for your time. And so, the five stock samplers we're going to be reviewing today, as I mentioned at the top, the most recent one is from September 5th, 2018, so a year ago about this week. That's five mm-mm good stocks. And then one year before that, well, it was September 13th, 2017, when we presented five great stocks you've never heard of. And then the very first five stock sampler ever picked was five stocks for the next five years. And I did that one. It was published on 
September 2nd of 2015. So here we are, four years later. That'll be the end of the show where we will review those. By the way, each of these is typically three years, as you know, Emily. That's kind of the game we're playing. If we made it five years all the time, there'd be so much review of Palooza, there wouldn't be an opportunity for authors in August or anything else, even picking new stocks. So, so I intentionally circumscribed it to three years. But that very first one, I said, hey, here are five stocks for the next five years, so we'll review that at the end. But before we start, just a quick thought about the importance of picking stocks and scoring yourself. I have four little steps here I just want to share with all of you. They're pretty obvious and simple, but here they are. Number one, you got to talk the talk. And if you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. So, at the heart of our five stock samplers, at the heart of Motley Fool Rule Breakers, Emily and Stock Advisor, what we work on together, we're picking stocks. And we're doing that every month for our members. Um, I do think that there are a lot of people who talk a lot about the stock market. I'm sometimes wondering, you know, what if they walked? Like, <laughs> would they do well or not, those talking heads out there? And then there are some brilliant people who perform really well, but they don't share what they're doing. They don't actually talk the talk. They're walking the walk all the time. So I would say for all of us, if you find yourself doing more talking, start doing the walking. And if you're doing a lot of walking, start talking about it and share that out. Um, so that's step number one. Emily, any reflections about talking the talk or walking the walk in your life or in general? Well, it's so important to score yourself. But you have to remember that we're long-term investors too, right? So even looking at these stock samplers after three years, I mean, I own a lot of Chinese companies, for instance, that are probably still great investments, but haven't been over the past couple of years. So score yourself, keep track, and if long-term something's not working, change your process, right? Because that's that's a problem. Uh, but also remember that we're playing a long-term game here. We're not trying to make. 30% in one year, two years. We're trying to make that over a long period of time. I'm so glad you said that because by its nature, we're playing a game here. And I have to have, just like baseball has nine innings unless it goes extra innings, we have to have some kind of limit. But when we say goodbye, as we will, every three years to another one of these five stock samplers, we play the happy trails music that Rick wheels out. And, uh, it doesn't mean, though, that we're selling those stocks or we don't still like them. Usually, they're still under active coverage and being held for long periods in Stock Advisor and Rule Breakers. Well, if step one was, you know, talk the talk and walk the walk, step two we've already spoken to is really walk, yeah, walk, but keep score. It's the importance of scoring and how much is each of us spending the time seeing how are we doing or how is our financial advisor doing or how's that 401k box that we checked at work, how's that doing? Understanding the score. Imagine going and being a sports fan and not having any sense what the score is, like no scoreboard. It really, sports, we wouldn't get smart about them. Coaches wouldn't get better. Players wouldn't know how to grade themselves. And fans would be unclear who's actually good out there. So it's so important to score. Step number three when you score, you learn. And I think that's self evident. But it is the very act of scoring. And we have some painfully bad stock picks that I've made. I've made more of them at The Motley Fool than anybody in history. So I'm very aware of that. But you really have an opportunity from your winners and your losers to learn. And that's the heart of these five stock samplers and review of Palooza and what we're doing here. I couldn't agree more. So many of these companies, um, you know, even looking at the ones which I'm sure we'll talk about later that have been, you know, horrible underperformers, let's say, I mean, you still look at the companies and you can understand the investment thesis, right? And you can still see a reality in which it plays out. And and maybe that's not true for all of them, but I think that it's great to remember, put yourself in the mindset that you had when you bought the stock a few years back. And remember, 
about what was so great about that investment. Has that changed? If it's changed, then fine. That's great. You know, you can make a different investment decision if that's changed. But for the vast majority of these companies, not much has changed. Just the price. Yeah, and it's a great point. I mean, the world is dynamic, and so we can't control everything that happens. We try to pick a good management team. We try to pick a good product or service, and we try to play it forward in our minds and live backwards from the future and think what's going to win and what's going to work. But we're always ready to be wrong, and we're wrong quite a lot. Step number four is, and this is a tip really to any financial professional, but I would say, you know, if we're scoring, as I said earlier, I hope we're winning and we should be trying to get better. So the best way to build trust I think in any field is to score and to win when you're scoring. So keeping score and then having winning scores um, again for any financial professional, anybody who's a mutual fund investor, hedge fund manager, financial advisor, um, all of us have an opportunity to be transparent with our performance and the best way you're ever going to build trust in this world is to be transparent and to win. So that's the aim of these five stock samplers. And with that as prologue, it's time to get to the main event. All right, five stock sampler number one this week. And this is a debut. That's right, these stocks were picked one year ago. So this is their first time ever in Review of Palooza. And the name of this theme. Emily was five mm, mm, good stocks. Now, we'll talk about the theme in just a sec, but the day was September 5th, 2018. Emily, do you can you remember what you were doing a year ago this week? <laughs> well, I don't take as, as great diligent notes as you may, um, but I do have a spreadsheet because starting in September last year, I started studying for level one of the CFA program. So I was tracking my studying in a spreadsheet. I can see that on September 5th, I had put in 80 minutes of reading that day. <laughs> wow. So whether that's good or bad, I don't know. I passed. So I guess it was good enough. Congratulations. Uh, when yeah. did you pass? Was that the, the, that the summer? Yes. Yeah. So I took the test in June. Congratulations, Thank Emily. You. Emily Flippin, CFA. <laughs> Eventually. So, level one, now I'm in the process of studying for level two. And is level two when it completes, or you go level then three? Level three. And that's it, right? And then four years of investment related work experience. And uh-huh. then I can apply okay. for the credentials. I see. All right. Well, and I'm just looking at my schedule. I was working that day, that morning, on our new mobile game app that's coming out this fall, Investor Island from The Motley Fool, which I'm really excited about. It's going to debut in the Canadian App Store in a few weeks, but then it's going to hit the U.S. App Store, I think, next month. And we're excited. Many of you have helped us beta test Investor Island, so I was meeting with the team that morning. But later that afternoon, five stocks, mm-mm, good, came out. And the, the hook here was that they're all companies that start with the letter M. Yep, it's that silly. Um, I just thought, you know, I like all these M stocks. Mm-mm. And I think Rick probably came up with this, so we went with mm-mm, good. And so, that's what unites this five-stock sampler. That was going to be my question. Who was the genius who came up with that name? And Investor Island, for that matter. I mean, great <laughs> naming skills. I'm not creative enough to have contributed. Okay, so for each of these, Emily, we're going to look at the highlights, lowlights, and then talk through the stocks. So, five stocks. I'll give the Names right up front, Massimo Corp, Match Group, McCormick & Company, Mercado Libre, and Momo. Now, those are the five good stocks. We'll see whether or not they were good. Let's talk first about the best one, and then we're going to talk about the worst one. So, the best one picked $328 a share even. 
at market close September 5th, 2018, Mercado Libre. And today, no surprise there. Through Monday's close, from 328 up to 571, and a little bit of change. So it's up 74%. By the way, I should mention the stock market is up 3.2% from a year ago. So that I love those low bogeys that we're shooting for. Like just 3.2 is the hurdle we're looking for here. So, so yeah, Mercado Libre up 74% off to a great start for this sampler. Yeah, it's, there's really not anything bad to say about this company, at least thus far. I will say that when you did pick it last year, this stock had already appreciated significantly. I'd and forgotten. So, yeah, it, it, I'm sure at the time there were people who had Googled the company, maybe saw the appreciation and thought to themselves, or looked at the PE ratio, for instance, and thought to themselves, this is ridiculously overvalued. But it goes to show that companies that have historically performed well, Tend to continue to perform well. Um, so, for over the past year, Mercado Libre has really just capitalized on the emerging e commerce scene in Latin America. It's really a huge opportunity. This is impressive given the fact that the economies in a lot of their core countries, especially their currencies, have, haven't been exactly stable over Things the last Things are pretty of the unstable in South America exactly. right now. Venezuela and Colombia having some spats, and Argentina. With its devaluation of its currency, mm-hmm. given worries about the election this fall, you're right. Yeah, and Mercado Libre, meanwhile, has, you know, while they operate in other markets as well, more stable markets like Mexico and Brazil, despite the fact that they've been surrounded by countries that have really been unstable, the company itself has been relatively stable, and not in the sense that it is a stable performer, but in the fact that they've managed to continue to post amazing growth. So, whether that their growth merchandise value or their, their different Processing platform. So Mercado Pago is doing a great job expanding into the Brazilian market, for instance. I mean, all of these things have improved drastically just over the past year. So I would not feel shy again buying it today, even though he's talked about it being up, what, 74%, I think he said, uh, despite that great appreciation. I mean, it's a great company. It performs well, and I have no doubt it will continue to do so. I hate to overplay this, but winners do win. Mercado Libre first picked in Rule Breakers for members. February 18, 2009, at $14.13 a share. So from 14, our original cost up to 571. It has been the single best performing stock in Motley Fool Rule Breakers, and it has just continued to be the gift that keeps on giving. Okay. <laughs> well, from the sublime to the ridiculous, I'm sorry to say that the company, arguably with the most ridiculous name here, also has the worst performance. Momo, ticker symbol. Momo, Emily, it's down 20%. It was at $45 a share a year ago. It's down about 36 right now. Down 20%. What's happening with Momo? It's unfortunate that the stock has responded the way it has. Momo's core business has been definitely pressured, not uh, largely because of factors that they can control. So they actually had an impressive, astounding 40% revenue growth over the past year, but it's a notable slowdown to the numbers that they were posting a year ago. The big story is really though that the government has had a field day in regulating a lot of their businesses, notably um, cracking down on in-app purchases associated with their live streaming revenue. So these were the things that were really lucrative for Momo that suddenly fell off a cliff when the government decided that the content that that maybe some live streamers were producing was not exactly Exactly, family friendly. Um, that being said, it does have a dominant positioning in the Chinese market, so it's an interesting company. But you know, the macro environment, Chinese companies plus government regulations, has really pressured this company. And Emily, just I think a lot of people probably don't even know what Momo does, and they hear Momo, people talk about momentum stocks, and that's what <laughs> a lot of traders say. They talk about it. So, in a sentence or two, what is the business of Momo? Well, Momo is often been called the Tinder of China. The premise of the company was that they had one of the most popular dating platforms. 
platforms, dating apps in China. Um, it actually kind of moved more towards a live streaming based app with, with dating involved. Um, so it's still, I would suppose, the closest connection it has to here in the US is the tender of China, although there are some mm. significant differences in the business model. All right. So with uh, Momo 23 percentage points behind the market, well, if you net out that 71 with Mercado Libre, we're looking pretty good. I'm happy to say the other three companies, Massimo, Match, and McCormick, are all beating the market. So this is a spectacular start for five mm-mm good stocks. I'll give the final accounting in a minute, but Match is up 54%, Massimo and McCormick both up about 26%. Well, I'd be amiss if I didn't talk about the actual company that owns Tinder, the Tinder of the U.S. There, Match Group. Match Group really the over the past year, it's Tinder, Tinder, Tinder. It's really been an amazing growth driver for the company. Um, but that doesn't mean that they haven't been expanding involvement in other areas. So what I found exciting was, you know, they've picked up strategic investments into new apps as well. One notable one, Harmonica, which is de- dedicated to helping hook up the 1.8 billion Muslims in the world. So there's still lots of ways for Match Group to continue. To expand its offerings, as opposed from just being tender and match and plenty of fish. Uh, but the point thing there that dating isn't going anywhere, especially online dating. So it's been a great performer. And McCormick has done really well too because of their cost cutting program. So despite the fact that McCormick has never really been a growth company, it still has a great product. And being conscious about how they spend their money and where they spend their money has allowed them to really expand their margins, um, increase cash flow to investors in the form of increasing dividends. They've actually had 33 consecutive quarters of dividend increases. So it's an impressive company as well. That's amazing. You know, a lot of people would think, why do we have McCormick? Why did I pick it in Motley Fool Stock Advisor? Back in 2014, because it doesn't seem like, as you mentioned, a real grower. And I do love companies that grow, but I also love companies that serve something special uh, that's hard to compete against. And I, I love the macro trend. Talk about tailwinds. I think food is getting more and more interesting. It's getting more and more diverse. There are more choices all of us have, and spices. Darn it. That's what brings the spice to food and life, <laughs> spices. And so, for five years now, McCormick has paid good dividends. We got it at sixty-one and a half in two thousand fourteen. So yeah, touching the scales, you know, over one hundred fifty mm-hmm. today, it's been a winner. Massimo. Massimo also been a winner. Nothing too exciting there. Really strong demand for their core product. Great international expansion, um, and drastically improving their net income margin. So just a good business overall. All right. So. Remember, this is just year one of three years of review, so we hope that things will keep going this well for these five companies. I'm really happy to say, on average, they're up 32.1%. The market is up 3.2%. So, five mm, mm, good stocks sure have been 29 percentage points ahead of the market in their first year together. All right, thus much for our first stock sampler. Let's next go to number two. Two this week. Now, we need to go back in time. That's right. We always start with the most recent and go back to the oldest. So here we go. We're back in 2017, Emily, specifically September 13th, 2017. Now, I will admit this I know what I was doing on almost any day of the last, I don't know, 10 plus years because I keep a like minute to minute calendar that is really my memory. So I'm able to say I know exactly what I was doing on September 13, 2017, and I'll share. I was having a wills and estates meeting because oh, that's something that, that we should sound all like do. Fun. Now, it's not the most fun thing, but it is important. And you know, as we build up assets and we have capital in this world, 
we really owe it to those who come after to make good decisions about it. And so, while it's not my favorite thing to do, I think I was revising my will that morning. Emily, do you have any recollection September 17 for you? Yeah, it was actually a big month for me. I had just started work, my first job after college at GE Capital in Stamford, Connecticut. So I had made the move from Texas, where my family home is, up to Connecticut. Wow. Yeah, I moved to, from the suburbs to the suburbs. <laughs> But it was an exciting opportunity at that time. And uh, you did not stay at GE Capital? Not for very long. Um, I enjoyed my time there, loved the people I was doing my work with. Um, I learned a lot, had a lot of great opportunities. But it was very clear to me at the time that GE, the company, really lacked strong leadership. And so when I thought about my career five years from now, there, in my opinion, no way that I was going to, to stay with a company that really had no vision. Wow. I mean, it's such a big and impressive company, but the stock has not been very good. <laughs> uh, you know, we're a private company. I mm-hmm. think our full shares are up the last couple of years. So maybe you made a good decision there. I sure hope so, since you're a stock picker too. I hope so too. <laughs> All right, Emily. So five great stocks you've never heard of. That's the theme. Now, I should mention before we give the five stocks that the market on average for these five was up 17.2% over the period. So that's what we're trying to beat. And yeah, I was picking companies that most of us wouldn't be able to recognize. Like if I said Little Fuse, you know, would you? Well, you would know, but would you, dear listener, know what Little or Blackbaud? Maybe if you work within the charitable world and you use their engine uh, to help you manage grants and donations and things, maybe you know Blackbaud or Nuvasiv or the Ultimate Software Group or Orbital ATK. So those were the five companies in haphazard order. In fact, I'm going to go with reverse alphabetical order for these. So Ultimate Software Group. Orbital ATK, Nuvasiv, Little Fuse, and Blackbot. And that's the order that I presented them on September 13, 2017. All right, so Emily, looking over this group, I see one clear winner, and almost everything is an also ran. Let's start with the one clear winner the Ultimate Software Group. We picked it at $187.19 at market close September 13, 2017, $187 ish. The company was bought out. In fact, it was bought out within about a year or so. It was announced that Ultimate Software would be acquired, and that deal went through on May 3rd of this year at $331.50. So from $187 to $331.50. Maybe somebody in the private equity world was listening to this podcast (laughs) because they made a bid for it and it worked. Ultimate Software up 77%. This was an impressive company, and while people got an all-cash offer, which was, I think, 32% higher than what their closing price was, so a 32% premium, ultimately, we did lose a good company in this acquisition, or I guess I should say, took private. Um, Mm -hmm. The company really performed well over the course of 2018. Um, They found a way to run off of a really small sales force, which allowed them to have really impressive margins. They kept costs really low, productivity really high, allowed them to grow at double-digit rates without growing sales and advertising costs at the same. So They had a lot of success in using this model to introduce processes and new products over the past two years, Um, not to mention you know, they really only had the time. Now, granted, we don't know anymore, but the time of acquisition only had penetrated a really small percentage of, of their entire market. Mm. So, um, I'm sure whoever bought them appreciates that purchase now. But we, as investors, maybe miss that company a little bit. Yeah, their product was Ulti Pro software. That was the package Ulti Pro, and it was basically like manage your workforce, right? And it was cloud based, and SaaS companies very much 
okra these days <laughs> and somewhat volatile right now. But overall, we had identified this company a number of years ago. In fact, it first came to Rule Breakers on May 23rd of 2012. So, kind of a good seven-year hold, a stock that quadrupled for members. But just for this five-stock sampler, nice to see Ultimate Software up 77%. And uh, yeah, taken private. So, we don't see them anymore as investors, but they're still out there. Now, I mentioned there's one major outperformer. The weakest performer here, Emily, was Littlefuse, and it's down 8%, so from 184 down to 170 over the last two years, so 27 percentage points behind the market. Uh, that's the worst performer, so spoiler alert, we have another winner with the, this five stock sampler, again, just through two years. But, Emily, anything to say about Littlefuse? Well, Littlefuse makes Littlefuses. Uh, and other things like circuit breakers and other electrical components. It really is true. Now, little is spelled L-I-T-T-E-L, so we want to make sure nobody thinks that it's just because they're little, but you're right. They're, yep. they're, fuses are little for the most part. And I had overlooked that when I knew the company and read the company, and I've been misspelling the company all of this time. But despite my misspelling, it's it's been a good performer thus far. It's not the most glamorous company. Um, a lot of their growth... You know, was not organic growth. It was attributable to its acquisitive strategy. So, despite strong revenue growth in 2018, it was actually a slowdown. Um, organic growth—that's the growth that's inside of its core business. So, without the acquisitions, it was actually declining in the most recent quarter. Um, guidance has been poor. It's—it's it's really a cyclical business, as you might expect from a a fuse and circuit breaker company. Um, so it has not beaten the market, but you know, given the the I guess decreased purchases of cars and appliances and maybe the potential for that to continue into the future, it makes sense given its business nature. I am just looking at the Wikipedia page. It was founded in 1927. Now it wasn't founded by somebody named Little T T E L. Nope. Uh, it might have even been just a misspelling of the founder, <laughs> Edward Sun, because their first product was indeed a small protective fuse. Uh, but this is a company today that oversees like a huge number of different components. There's a lot of complexity in running this business. And while it's been disappointing over the last year to see Little Fuse stumbling a bit against the market, I am happy to say that for Stock Advisor members who bought in March 2014, it is roughly a double ahead of the market. So, a quiet, sleepy company. I like these kinds of companies. We pick these in Stock Advisor, some on my side, because they're just around forever, right? Mm -hmm. 1927 says enough, and I like how you summed it up. They're, they make little fuses. Well, this was called Five Great Stocks You've Never Heard Of, so these are not necessarily the most interesting companies to talk about. The three others, Emily, Orbital, ATK, Nuvasiv, and Blackbaud, we're going to keep moving. We don't have time to cover them all. I should point out, Orbital, ATK, was also bought out. Mm -hmm. So, maybe we should talk about that briefly. Yes, they were bought out a 22% premium by Northrop Grumman. So, that's an important one because it actually got a lot of criticism for being anti-competitive. It was announced right after Orbital announced a new heavy lift rocket that was designed to, quote, deliberately compete for national security launches. So, it was definitely a strategic acquisition on the part of Northrop Grumman. Yeah, Orbital ATK, which started as Orbital Sciences and then merged once over the course of our holding the stock in Rule Breakers, really a cool company. I mean, Rockets. I mean, it might have been a stock you've never heard of. Most people hadn't. But yes, it did get bought out. Somebody heard of it. In fact, this company, the buyout was announced just, I think, weeks after 
This five stock sampler came out. So two of our five companies here got picked off before we could even make it to the second year review. It kind of makes you wonder, Emily, of the three remaining, which will you predict gets bought out first? Maybe even before next year. I realize this is a ridiculous question, which is why I'm asking it because it's rule breaker investing. Which is going to go next? Blackbaud, Little Fuse, or Nuvasive? I think Blackbaud, just because we're seeing a bit of consolidation in the software industry. And I feel like that one, given the fact that it's down significantly, may be an easy acquisition target. All right. So these five stocks all taken together against a market average of 17.2%. Their five returns averaged 21.5% over these two years. So we beat the market with these by about four percentage points. So, five great stocks you've never heard of for those who are listening to us and bought right along with this podcast, which we don't encourage you to do, by the way. <laughs> two years ago, you're pretty happy right now. You've beaten the market and you've watched two of your companies get taken out. And I'm having a little bit of fun there saying we don't want you to buy these. Of course, we do want you to buy these. We want you to invest in every one of the stocks that I pick in these samplers are active recommendations. The reason it's a sampler is because I'm looking at the larger services, Motley Fool Rule Breakers, Motley Fool Stock Advisor, and I'm just picking a handful of a few companies when I share them with you on these five stock samplers every 10 weeks on this podcast. So all of them are active recommendations. We do like them. But I'm also the first to say, and I've said it many times before on Rule Breaker Investing, whichever companies speak to you, whichever you think will help make your portfolio reflect your best vision for our future, those are the ones I think you should buy. So while Emily just formally called out Blackbaud as in play <laughs> on this podcast, it doesn't mean that you should rush to buy it. Yes. Even though, well, maybe a 30% premium, you think, Emily? <laughs> <laughs> a 30% premium would make this one beat the market. That's a good point, because it's about 13 percentage points behind the market right now. All right, so thus much we can write right now. We've chiseled it into the permanent stone of this podcast. The two-year review of these five great stocks you'd never heard of. We'll be talking about them one year from now and closing it out and seeing how they really did end up, whether the market's up or down over the next year. Who knows? We just hope these stocks will beat the market. That's what we're trying to do at Rule Breaker Investing. Well, did I save the best for last stock sampler number three coming up? But first, thanks to Grammarly for supporting Rule Breaker Investing. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing so that it's mistake free, clear, and effective. Everyone, even the best students and top professionals, can benefit from using Grammarly. Grammarly is a writing assistant that makes you look and sound smarter. Easily improve yourself and your communication at school, work, and almost anywhere. It's available across platforms, including online browser extension, desktop editor, and mobile keyboard checker. Grammarly is available on multiple browsers like Chrome, Firefox, Safari, and Edge, and also works with iOS, Android, Windows, and Mac pretty much any way you want to work with Grammarly, it wants to work with you. Now, their free product reviews critical spelling and grammar. But you can take it up a notch with Grammarly Premium. It looks out for spelling, grammar, plus advanced punctuation, structure, style within context, vocabulary suggestions, and more. Stop making email typos on your phone. Polish your resume to get that new job. We've used Grammarly here at The Motley Fool and found it to be impressive and effective. So, always have polished and professional work on display, not to mention preserving your reputation and the way others perceive you. So, go to Grammarly.com fool to get 20% off your Grammarly premium account today. Now, since this is Grammarly, I know that you know it's spelled with all A's. 
That's Grammarly.com slash full 20% off your Grammarly premium account. All right. Well, if that was 2017, let's go back in time further. Because the very first five stock sampler ever picked was five stocks for the next five years, which was published on September 2nd, 2015. By the way, it's sometimes hard to look this far back on iTunes, presumably Google Play. It's hard to find more than about 100 podcasts ago. But given that we've been doing our weekly podcast more than 220 times at this point, you can imagine a lot of our great work is buried somewhere there in the internet. But if you do know the title, like Five Stocks for the Next Five Years, you can usually Google and find the sound files for any of the podcasts that we've done in the past. This one, no exception. So, September 2nd, 2015, Emily, do you remember what you were doing that day? Not that day exactly. But again, generally that month, I remember that I was a junior in college. And that first semester, my junior year, I actually lived in Florence. I did a semester abroad there, uh, which was probably the most uh, basic, excusing the language, but basic semester abroad that an American can do. <laughs> I went to Florence, Italy, and yes, I did drink a lot of wine and eat a lot of pizza. And I love that you're calling that your semester abroad, because your entire four years was abroad. You went to yes. NYU Shanghai. I needed a break from the four years of Chinese food, so I did take a semester, and I went to Florence, and I treated myself. Well, that does sound absolutely delightful. I I did go to my calendar and I see that I was that morning I was rooting about the basement of my house trying to clean things up, specifically looking for Magic the Gathering cards that a numbskull friend of mine had left in a bag somewhere on the first floor of my house years ago. And for anybody who follows Magic the Gathering, and there are not that many of them, although Richard Garfield, its founder, is a past guest on this show. Really enjoyed having Richard on last year to talk about his most recent game designs. Anyway, Magic the Gathering, those cards appreciate over time, kind of like a good baseball card, some of the earliest days of the beta. I have some beta Magic the Gathering cards. Um, and this friend of mine was like, hey, I left some of those in your house. Could you find them for me? And I'm happy to say I did ultimately find them. And so, you're very welcome, my friend Tom, that you got your Mox Pearl. All right. Well, it was five stocks for the next five years. And how has the stock market done since September 2nd, 2015, four years ago, right about this week? And the answer is the market's up 51%. So, that's four good years. And that's a higher hurdle than the 3% we needed to jump over with five mm -mm, good stocks, Emily. So let's see how we've done here. Now, what were the five stocks? Well, alphabetically, by company name, they were Activision Blizzard, Casey's General Stores, FireEye, Mercado Libre, and the Middleby Corp. I'm sorry, did I skip one? <laughs> I think I, I did say it, didn't I say it? I did say the company name. I heard it slipped in there. Good. Yeah, so those are the five. FireEye. Um, and, uh, and one of them has been really, really bad. And that's one that whose name I won't say on this podcast because of how deeply upset I am with the company and how it's performed. But which is has a ticker symbol F E Y E. Let's start with the worst. Worst is first, Emily. The stock was at thirty-seven dollars forty-seven cents in two thousand fifteen. It's down to thirteen dollars and change today. Down about sixty-three percent when the market was up fifty-one percent. So five stocks for the next five years. Not that one. Yes, he who shall not be named was a good idea that was just executed poorly. Mm. Uh, this particular company, FireEye, uh, 
faced significantly <laughs> higher costs than expected when they migrated to their cloud-based models. Their renewals just became abysmal. The top-line growth really dropped off a cliff. And you know, they really needed some Annette's competitors, and what they got was some really strong competition. Cybersecurity, a big field yes. these days. I mean, when you look at the field, I mean, even today they're operating in a field that is presumably and should be a very, very lucrative field to be in. But the problem is when you operate in a lucrative field like that, you also, you know, other people aren't unaware of, of the fact that that is an area that is growing and of high demand. So, you know, Palo Alto Networks really put the nail in the coffin for FireEye. That's not to say that, oh no, I said it. <laughs> That's not to say that, you know, they are completely buried in the ground yet, but it is to say that, uh, you know, Palo Alto's network suite has really just um, trumped this mm. company's product. Yep. Um, stolen a lot of their customers. Well, and I am happy to say that Palo Alto Networks is a stock pick for Motley Fool Rule Breakers. It is. I wish I'd selected it for this sample. <laughs> I sampled improperly. We've also had some nice winners. Fortinet has been a very fine stock for Motley Fool Stock Advisor members. So I tried to make up for this inadequate early cybersecurity pick by picking a few others along the way, but that doesn't help this five stock sampler. And so that puts us minus 114 points in the hole. Let's add further to that hole with the Middleby Corporation, which is a company that we admire. In fact, its longtime CEO recently came on the Motley Fool board, Salim Basul. We're really happy to have Salim on our board. He's a remarkable man, but maybe in part because he recently retired as CEO, but I don't think really. But anyway, the stock up only 9% when the mark was up 51. So that's 42 percentage points more against us, Emily. I will say that this manufacturer of commercial cooking equipment and appliances does operate in a very cyclical business, as you might expect. So it faces a lot of those same problems that we talked about earlier. Before this earnings call, the stock was actually an outperformer. Um, so it wasn't until the most recent earnings call that the stock has really been hammered for Middleby. Um, that's largely because of a few different reasons. They have exposure to the European market, concerns about Brexit and the slowdown there. Has hurt their exposure in that regard. Um, slowdown in demand for U.S. industrial purposes as well. Um, not to mention the impact of tariffs, which people are always concerned about with companies like this. It's really hurt their their short-term margin expansion. Um, Here's, here's what I will say. My parents have recently purchased a townhome in Dallas, moving down to the mm -hmm. city. Mm -hmm. um, and my mom was pumped because it came with a Viking range in it. Um, that's one of Middleby's namesake brands. That's right. Brands it's an acquisition a few years ago, yep. which is a, it's probably the biggest, best-known brand. Yeah, and it's and it's and that brand in particular has been performing really well for them. So, mm. if my parents have anything to say about it, this one might come back yet. All right. Well, unfortunately, your parents, as good as they are, can't help the Not performance yet. <laughs> of those two stocks right now. So we're minus 156 mm -hmm. points with three stocks left. Let's take them alphabetically. Activision Blizzard, really happy to say this longtime video game entertainment leader is up 95%. So that's 44 percentage points ahead of the market over the last four years. Yeah, despite all of its controversies that we've seen over the past few years, 2015, 2016, 2017 even, were great years for Activision Blizzard. Um, you can think back to the success of a lot of their brands like Overwatch and Diablo. More recently, the relaunch of classic World of Warcraft. These are all great legacy brands that kept bringing in recurring revenue, recurring subscribers. Um, and, and to be clear, it was down 26% in 2018 alone. So it's not been an easy ride for investors. 
investors. That's right. Yeah, but so the majority of these gains were gained in 2016 and 2017, back when there were fresh installments of a lot of these games. But it does go to show the fact that this company does tend to move not only with gamer sentiment, I wouldn't call it investor sentiment, gamer sentiment, uh, but also with just launches of their of their popular brands. Our cost originally for Activision Blizzard for Stock Advisor members, August 9th, 2002, $3.14. And actually, six months later, it was down. It had been cut in half, so I added at a buck sixty or so. So today, with it around 56, it has been a mega winner. So it's a reminder that a big, vital business and a leader like this held over time can do fantastic things for your portfolio. Mm-hmm. But you're right, Emily. It was kind of down with the video game doldrum. It seemed like everybody was playing Fortnite last year and nobody was talking <laughs> about anything else. And so companies like this company were kind of harmed a little bit as a consequence. But this remains a long term buy and hold, big time winner. And I'm happy to say for this five stock sampler, yeah, it's up 44 percentage points on the market, which means we're now at minus 112 with two left. Casey's General Stores is next. Emily, it's kind of sad to say it's only nine percentage points ahead of the market. So it's up 60% or so, uh, above that 51. So, you know, nine percentage points, not bad, not really helping this five stock sampler that much. Any thoughts briefly on Casey's? Well, let me just first say that I was raised in Texas, so I'll always be a loyal Bucky's fan. But until Bucky's become publicly traded, I will settle for its Midwest equivalent, <laughs> which is Casey's General Stores. It actually didn't really start to outperform until recently, until the end of May this year, yeah. when they started to let some of that revenue slide to the bottom line. Um, so they had some gross profit increase, which helped gross margin expansion, cost cutting measures. Um, in fact, same store sales during May were up nearly six percent. So great. Recent performance from this company. Thank you, and th- I have not been to a Bucky's, but it, you should go if you're ever in Texas. Does in the it middle have great of nowhere. pizza? Casey's has the great pizza. <laughs> Bucky's reputation. has great everything else, so you great. get your great, you know, like honey roasted nuts, for instance. More Texas-based like food. All right, all right, sounds good. Well, speaking of sounding good, I've got one final stock that's part of this five-stock sampler. Emily, are you familiar with the concept of the Deus Ex Machina? I I am, and I'm trying to figure out how you're going to relate it. All right. So it it my recollection from my undergraduate studies is this typically would happen at the end of ancient Greek plays when something would swoop in at the end and save the day. So <laughs> okay. and and it, I I believe it comes from the Latin God out of the machine. So a machine's wheel on the stage, and out comes somebody godlike to save everything. The name of this godlike company, the fifth stock that was included on five stocks for the next five years. Mercado Libre. And I'm really happy to say that Mercado Libre, four years ago, was at about 110. So today, at 571, this stock is up 420% for listeners. That's 369 percentage points ahead of the market. This one stock, three of these companies did beat the market, but Mm -hmm. this one stock has caused this first ever five stock sampler to average a game of 103.9%. Against the market's 51%. These five stocks, as a sampler, are 53 percentage points ahead of the market four years later. And that's generally how the market works as well. The vast majority of companies in the market do not perform well, but the ones that do really do. So we're happy to have Mercado Libre in here. Um, since we already talked about it a little bit before, I'll just bring us back to 2015. And let's look at some of the numbers that Mercado Libre was posting in 2015. Um, back then, when the day it was picked, revenues were only 30% of what they were today. And the earnings call that was published only a few days before recording that podcast four years ago, Mercado Libre was doing 
approaching $1.65 billion in gross merchandise value with payment transactions of about $18 million. Now, they have $1.65, that $1.65 billion in GMV grew to $3.4 billion, and that $18 million in transactions volume, mm-hmm. now $6.5 billion. So, this company, while it looked like a riskier bet back in 2015, has really expanded on its value proposition. And it's been a spectacular company, a true blue rule breaker. And you know, it only takes one. Now, we are not premising to just try to roll the dice and hit a home run once. In fact, I'm happy to say that not just in this group of five stocks, the majority of them did did beat the market, but all three of these samplers well ahead of the market and powered by a number of stocks. But when you have a single home run stock and we have a knack for finding those at Rule Breaker Investing. They really can power your overall returns. So you see, admittedly, in only a group of five stocks, there's always going to be a lot of luck in any group of five, for better or for worse. But we're awfully fortunate to have had Mercado Libre called out four years ago this week. Well, Emily, thank you very much for joining me again on Rule Breaker Investing this no, week. Thank you again for having me. Yeah, a lot of good work there. I do see there are a whole bunch of notes you took that we couldn't even cover because we wanted to keep the format moving uh, this week, which I hope we did a good job with. Well, next week, it's going to be, yep, it's that time of quarter. It's going to be the Market Cap Game Show. Now, Emily, you have distinguished yourself as an all star on the Market Cap Game Show. And I wouldn't go that far. I, there's no doubt in my mind the stats will show it, and we're all about scoring and learning. But I think I'm going to have next week, I'm going to have Aaron Bush because Aaron was on um, a quarter ago. And he had the the best performance that we've ever seen on the ever. show. Yeah. I'm so looking forward to see if he can replicate that amazing performance. I am as well. So many of us rocked the hashtag I lost to Aaron because he got nine out of ten right. So yep, it's our game show, the market cap game show that we play four times a year on this podcast next week. Well, this was super fun, and I'm really happy to say that all three of these five stock samplers have outperformed the market, and two of them really Handily, it is, I hope, a reminder to all of you of the power of choosing stocks directly. In a world where so many people seem to be mailing it in, just giving their money over to the index fund and taking that gentleman's seat, as I've said in the past, I really do believe, and I think we prove it every week here and every year for years of The Motley Fool, that if you are selective and actually pick this stock, not that one, because this one's a great company and that one's not, this ain't rocket science. I think you can and will outperform the market. And certainly, these five stock samplers are a good reminder of both how fun and how profitable that can be. Emily, thank you again. Oh, thank you. And thank you to all of our listeners. Look forward to the Market Cap Game Show on Rule Breaker Investing next week. In the meantime, fool on. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. And The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.